0: You're listening to The Private Citizen, defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 60 for Wednesday, the 17th of March, 2021, Cyber War. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab, and I'm coming to you live from the burnout husk from the wasteland the capital city of the federal, the German federal state of North Rhine-Westphalia. I'm coming to you from Düsseldorf, where I'm the last person alive. No, I'm not really. But um, if you turn on the news, <laughs> it kind of sounds like it. So uh, let's leave the news off and um, let's do our own research and think for ourselves here. Today, we are going to talk about, that's a little bit of a cyber security, cyber, cyber. I'm going to put that in the headline for them mad SEO clicks (laughs) a little bit of uh, info security uh, topic Uh, I want to talk about cyber war what it means uh, and all that jazz Um, yeah so settle in grab yourself a beverage I have a grog which is a traditional northern German drink Um, it's rum with sugar and a lot of hot water and um, I like to put um, a little bit of nutmeg in it to give it some extra spice. Anyway, that's yeah, that's uh, what I'm drinking. I hope you got yourself a beverage as well. And um, you know, let's let's get into the topic. So, I'll, I, why am I doing this? I'm going to talk uh, today about cyber war, uh, basically hacker attacks, what they are, a little bit of history, and then basically what the term cyber war means, if it actually means anything, if it's actually a usable term and i'm doing this because uh, i have some other episodes planned um so I'm, i want to talk about you know mike uh, prompted me on a show where he was a guest guest my friend mike uh prompted me to do uh, an episode about uh, this whole solar wind stuff uh, there was this um Exchange exploit we just had, and you know, before I want to talk about that, there's always you know cyber attacks, hacker attacks, Russian hackers. Uh, it's always in a headline somewhere. And before we wanna, we want to do that. Before we wanna uh, get into that, I want to lay some groundwork. So this is going to be a little bit of an educational episode, a little bit like you know the socialism episode I did um, at one point. And uh, yeah, so um, I I hope you you'll enjoy it. But before we get into that, we'll actually have to talk about another topic that was prompted by some um, producers and listeners of the podcast. So, uh, in this, during this week, and like end of last week, beginning of this week, for some reason, l- l- a lot of people. Uh, (laughs) got in contact with me over various ways, Um, a vast majority of them, uh, listeners of the show, um, asking me what I was thinking about the vaccination and, um, you know, the the SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, if I would take it. And um, for some reason, it seems to be uh, important to people um, to get my opinion um, of course, I'm not an I'm not an expert in this topic. Uh, I think that goes without saying if you've listened to the show before. But of course, I've you know I've talked about um, you know Das COVID two a lot. We've talked about the coronavirus. We've talked about the pandemic. We've talked about a lot of things. Uh, you know, connected to that, um, I've, we talked tendentially about the vaccines because I talked about the you know vaccination passport basically. And so I guess that's why why people are interested. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give you um, my opinion here. It's important to state that this is my opinion. This is not medical advice. I would never give medical advice. I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm not even a biologist. <laughs> I'm married to one, but that's about it. I talk to a lot of doctors, but, you know, I don't want to give you any advice. But this is my this is my personal opinion. And it's kind of, I think, important to the show because we talked about, you know, the um, so sociological, you know, political um, fallout from this, the fallout on our society. So I think, um, you know, maybe connecting that up with with what I actually think about the, this vaccine or vaccines in general is, is maybe, maybe useful to gi- give you some context. Um, so uh, before, then another disclaimer I want to kind of make is that this is my opinion. It's not even the opinion of my wife. Of course, I talk to her a lot um some of the people who contacted me uh, were apparently under the opinion that she is a doctor as a medical doctor which she's not uh, my wife's a biologist she has a phd so she has a doctorate in in, in germany she is a doctor she's uh, a doctor nat, as we call it a doctor of the uh, natural sciences uh, her doctorate is in uh, cell biology and um she works with doctors but of course she's not a doctor but i you know she you know i think she's actually i personally think she's more qualified than most uh medical doctors uh on this topic but that's also my personal opinion but this is also not her opinion this is just what i've gotten from you know talking to her over the years uh talking to her colleagues talking to friends of mine and so i am personally not at all against vaccines <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm far from an anti-vaxxer uh, my parents were kind of critical uh you know about vaccines so when i was a kid i just got the you know basically the necessary vaccines the ones you needed to get to go to school or whatever um once they're basically forcing on my parents um i have since then you know i went to australia in in the year 2000 to have a year um to spend a year in high school there and um to go there i mean this is something that isn't new you know, the vaccination passport, this kind of idea that you need to get vaccinated travel is not new. So I, I had to apply for um, a student visa in Australia. And if you do that, um, you have to get a relatively large number of vaccinations, including like, I don't know, what's it Ross river fever or something like really like it's extremely unrealistic that you would actually get that disease. I mean, it like occurred once <laughs> in some place in Western Australia, like, 20 years ago at the time I was going it was like 20 years ago or something uh, it's relatively rare and you know that I would get that like in a town in Queensland was unrealistic but you know I had to get some vaccines um, you know I, I never had any you know any side well you always have not not always sometimes you have some side effects for example when I took this, this the last like the, I took several combo vaccinations and the last shot I took um, was the day before it was flying and it was uh, in, intramuscular uh shot in the ass muscle um and uh yeah my uh right ass uh how do you spell? Germany would say arschbacke. <laughs> the uh my yeah ass cheek right, my right ass cheek just swelled um uh, massively the next day, which was relatively um inconvenient as I was you know having like I i don't know what it was like six thirty two hour flight we were flying to l a uh, and then on to sydney and it was uh, extremely uncomfortable but hey you know <laughs> you know that that was about the worst uh, i've i've ever got and um so i'm not i'm not um against vaccines at all um i i think it is important to understand this is also my opinion but i think it's it's well well founded actually in you know scientific research that you take a vaccine to be safe yourself from a disease um, this whole idea that vaccines, that you take a vaccine to protect others is something that is um, not very well supported in the scientific literature. Um, I know that, uh, you know, that used to be a thing, you know, that um, it, it's it's a well-held belief uh, with scientists and, you know, almost like at a propaganda level for the WHO, I would say, Um that you know certain diseases have been eradicated using vaccines. Um, it's just very hard to prove that. Um, I don't. I think it's 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 not that easy. Um, I think it's relatively. I mean, they, they certainly played a role. I think. Um, I, th- I don't think you can globally eradicate a disease by vaccinating people, uh, because I, I think you can never have that level of vaccination, even if you like have internment camps and force people. Um, and I I don't think it 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 works and i think that is like a relatively new idea um that i object to i think a, you know a vaccination is something you do for yourself to protect yourself and i feel it should every be every, and generally like in any medical procedure um i firmly believe people should be able to choose themselves there are certainly situations when you can't you know when you're like i don't know get shot in the head and they bring you in a hospital right and they're like they'll presume that you want to live which i'm okay with but you know it's if you're still there if you have your mental faculties i think people should decide i i'm 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 free i'm also very i'm I'm a firm believer on the side that i think people should should be free to um, die in certain situations if they want to i don't think um, suicide should be illegal Um, i think it shouldn't be frowned on you know um Looking at situations like you know Terry Pratchett, one of my favorite authors, who knew um, he was getting um, a very bad case of Alzheimer's. He he knew what was going to happen, um, and he wanted to decide to end his life on his own terms. You know, after writing a few more books, which was amazingly um, courageous of him. I think um, I th- I think you know we sh- we should allow that. I'm 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 completely uh, for. Uh, abortions, I think it's a woman's choice what to do with a baby I don't think anybody has anybody you know any that i don't think even think the father has you know the final say the, the mother has the final say um if the father and the mother don't agree I think the mother has the right to go over the the father's head. I certainly don't think anybody in the family anybody in the public or anybody in a any church uh should should be able to tell somebody what to do on that point um so i'm generally pro choice of anything and i'm i'm the same with vaccinations i think it should be ext- you know absolutely uh in the in the, in the hands of the person at stake right if they want to say i want take it for reasons take it if if they don't you know they don't you they, you have the public at large has no right to tell them i believe um, what they should or should not do es- especially when it's extremely um questionable if this whole argument, oh, you're protecting other people, and we need to protect the vulnerable, it, even if that, like that, doesn't really hold up in our current scientific uh, uh, data that we have. Um, I mean, it. You know, when if you're looking at that, with some diseases, yes, um, there's an argument to be made. I don't think with respiratory viruses, that argument is is at all there. Um, And, you know, even if it was, even if we were completely sure that we could save thousands of people, I think it would still be the decision of the person. I think that's paramount. It's their body. Um, They can decide what to do with it, I believe. I believe that with many things, right? I believe that with tattoos, for example. I have uh, many tattoos. Um, I think they're great. There, There are people who absolutely think one should not get a tattoo. I think, you know, they're fine to think that. But, you know, they're not they shouldn't tell me right I, if somebody says that to me <laughs> fuck right off right it's not your decision you can do with your body whatever you want I mean you can do to the inside of your eyelids if you like that completely up to you I wouldn't do that I don't like piercings for example uh, but you know if people want to do that go for it um so that's that's my that's my groundwork here um I personally um so I object generally. I don't object to vaccines I think I think they're just they're good they're good common sense um I think you should use common sense when to take them um and I, I just object to people being forced or being you know like there's as we talked about on the show, there are different levels of force right there's putting people in a camp and putting a gun to their head uh, that's that's making it illegal not not to be vaccinated. And there's just pressure, right? There's like, oh, you can't use public transport if you're not vaccinated. You can't fly if you're not vaccinated. Any of that I think shouldn't be there. Um, I think we should we should make this vaccine available for everybody who wants to take it and then leave all the other people in peace and let them travel for God's sake. Like, right? you know. Um so with that in mind, I personally um if if that were the situation, you know, if the if the political landscape so that's also what i told all my listeners right with maybe a little bit less disclaimers but you know i think for the general audience this is important um i think uh if that was the situation is everybody was saying that way i wouldn't get vaccinated you know i'm what 37 um you know in my age group if i get this virus uh the chance to die from that is exceedingly small it is incredibly small um i ride a motorbike uh you know, not yeah. You know, every several times a week, I used to do it like every day. Um, I'm just not going anywhere so much. So, but you know, let's say every day, like my risk to die from that is is, is much higher. You know, there's many other diseases I could die from, probably liver disease or something. I, I, I'm gonna die from something. Uh, else, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So I would just go like, you know, leave the vaccine for people who really need it. Um, I'm just going to like, you know, for me, if I get the disease, I'm going to isolate. I'm going to try to not give it to anybody. I'm going to get sick and I'm going to get over it. And it's the same end result as getting vaccinated. And th- there's probably not much risk in me getting the disease. So, so I would be OK with that. Um, now, it, it looks like uh, I'm going to have an episode at some point about the laws. I, I mean, the EU is today, they're like... Introduce some kind of law. I think I haven't looked into it. I didn't, didn't have time today. But I will. It looks increasingly like the population in general thinks we should like incentivize people to get vaccinated by like, not let, letting them travel, right? Not letting, letting them travel or something um, or go to restaurants or whatever. You know, I like traveling very much. Um, I think it's very important. I think it's one of the important things a man can, or a, a woman, or anybody can do. Um, I think it broadens your horizon. I think people should go into different countries and see what different people do. And I like to see the world. Um, so I'm foreseeing a situation where I won't be able to travel until I get vaccinated. Now, I object to this whole um, incentivizing slash forcing people to do it. Um, and I would like to make a statement, but I don't think these kind of statements do anything. Um it's like boycotting a huge company. It's like me not buying an iPhone because I object to what Apple's doing in a certain... I don't think that works. Um, and I like traveling so much that I'll just... If I can, I'll just get the vaccine, get it over with. Because I don't think there's a risk, right? Um, of course, there's a... I mean, I think the risk is like me getting COVID, you know, from getting a SARS-CoV-2 infection is, is minimal. It's it's negligible. Um, and, and I think the the risk of getting any getting any serious health issues with the vaccines even smaller um of course there are risks and people get issues and people will die that's just the case with anything i think the problem is people can't judge um risk at all i mean i've talked about this on the show before i think the human mind is not the human brain is not set up to do that in our current modern world i think our our brain is still stuck in like you know Trying to figure out if a saber-toothed t- tiger wants to kill us, um, so I don't. I don't think we can judge risk at all. So, um, you know, anybody, you anything you put into your body will can cause side effects. Any literally, look, look at it. Look at any drug has side effects. Like even non-drugs, like putting salt on your food, does something to your body. You could die because of that. You could die because you take an aspirin. Just some fluke thing. You know, you take some other drug, something. You you might be sick. You might have something you don't know. Take an aspirin, you die. Take a paracetamol, you die. Take anything, you die. It could happen. It, the, the risk is very, very, very small. But so I think it's the risk of getting anything serious from this vaccine. Um, there is an issue that these vaccines, of course, are relatively new. Some of this, um, you know, some of them, especially the mRNA kind of thing. Um, but I think so many people have gotten them now. And, they, you know, they ran it through the same uh tests and everything that they test other vaccines there's an argument to be had that maybe we should test vaccines in general a bit better but i don't think you know from everything i've seen there's 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 no real risk there's no risk is negligible the only thing we don't know is like long-term effects right because we don't know what this vaccine does to people in 40 years time and we will know that in 40 years time so You know, there's always some risks. There's, you know, I don't, yeah. Everybody could die in twenty years who took this, right? Could happen. I think it's very unlikely, so I'm not going to worry about that. So I think it's fine to take it. Um, You know, my grandmother, for example, uh, is 99. I think she should definitely take it. She she has like an appointment in April. I think, Um, you know, my parents, I think, should definitely take it because you know, the older you get, the higher is your chance to die if you develop COVID. So. Right, just take the take the damn vaccine. It's probably going to work. It's not going to protect anybody else, but it's going to protect you. Um, now there there is a thing now where um, the AstraZeneca vaccine, and I put a link in the show notes. A private sits not pressed, by the way. There's always lots of. If you're listening to this for the first time, I always try to make a very copious show notes and give you all the material so you can look it up for yourself. Sadly, this is a German story, so it's in German, um, but I still won't include it for people who might speak German or, you know, translate it with deep L or something. Um, but, you know, the AstraZeneca vaccine, that's the one that was developed by Oxford in the UK, which I actually thought, you know, for my just my, you know, common sense evaluation, I thought would be safer uh, because it's not an mRNA thing. It's a well-tested method. It's basically the method they use to make... F- influenza vaccines as well so we have like decades of um experience with that so i thought if if anything it's probably less likely to have any bad long-term effect it's it's this one but but uh they have stopped giving that to people now uh, i think in denmark and sweden and in germany um for some like really idiotic reason so some people ask me about this as well Um, so in germany um from what i can see uh from the sources on this story uh, and some you know medical uh, uh general medical publications i've i've looked this up in um we had we have 1.6, mil- 1.6 million people who've gotten this this vaccine and we have seven suspected suspected cases of a very rare um like blood clotting issue where you get a thrombosis in your brain and you die right it's always bad um, but, I mean, it's seven cases, seven suspected cases, not quite sure that these are connected to actually getting the vaccine, but they're pretty sure in 1.6 million. That is, like, tiny, right? Any serious medication you get will have, like, th- th- those kind of side effects, right? Anything, like, hardcore you take because you actually have a, <laughs> have a disease, I'm not talking, like, you know, headache, um, has these kind of side effects, um, and the amazing thing is now they stopped giving this to people, which I think is, is very irresponsible because of this, um, because, I mean, what they have is correlation, right? They they established that they gave the vaccine to somebody and then they developed that disease. That is not causation. That is They haven't proven that the vaccine causes this because they don't know. They don't know how. They don't even know how. They don't even have an idea of how. Um. So, yeah, and it's it's like it's very very small. I mean, I've talked about this before. One thousand six hundred people die every day in Germany because a doctor in a hospital makes a mistake. One thousand six hundred, and that's the cases we know about. It's probably twice that number. Um, it's probably you know the other cases where we they don't they just die, they not never realize it was a fault of a doctor or a wrong drug or some nurse made a mistake. right People die if you get an intravenous injection, right you know how they um, you see this in medical shows, you know how they hold the bottle of the thing they give you upside down and then put the needle from the bottom and then very carefully pull that in. They do that so that you don't have like air bubbles in the syringe. Because if they inject an air bubble in your vein, you might die. That air bubble might travel somewhere in your lung or something cause a blood clot. You might die. Might go to your heart, get a heart attack, you're dead. Um, That happens. That happens to people all over the world every day. Um, People don't care. Like, people don't worry about that. They don't know about that, right? But, like, now it's in the news that, like, seven people had something with this vaccine. They stopped, like, it's, to me, it's irresponsible. I'm not, I don't understand this. Like our government, our idiotic health minister, Jens Spahn, the fucking idiot, I'm going to say it again, I think he had, he should have been fired in February, not this February, February 2020, uh, when in the beginning of the pandemic he wanted to close hospitals. He's done many things since then. He's fucked up the distribution of the vaccine. He's fucked up everything. Now, like, they were so adamant to give it to people that they want to ban them from traveling... But on the other hand, seven people develop something. They'll stop giving it to people. Like, what the fuck is, like, decide, you fucking morons. This this really drives me insane. Um, It's like this safety first uh, society that we live in now. And the problem is that people want to go safety first, safety first, but they don't understand risks. So they're just paralyzed. Our government's paralyzed. They're like, give the vaccine to everybody. Give it to nobody. Give it to everybody. Give it to nobody. We don't know what to do like they're fucking they they get paralyzed like at this rate you know even if i want the vaccine like until they get through my age group it'll be like december 2022 right it's like fucking it's a joke it's a joke um but yeah so i don't so people ask me about that um that story i think that was total overreaction um again people not understanding how risks work in this case um, the government, I think they were just panicked because they're already, you know, anti-vaxxers and vaccine skeptics in the news. and But they don't realize it just makes it even worse. Like, this just gives these people arguments that are just... I mean, the, the, the anti-vaxxer arguments, don't get me wrong, they're totally idiotic. They're so idiotic, I'm not even going to talk about them on the show. Um, but yeah, a lot of people ask me about this, so I wanted to open with that. I want to give want to give my opinion. You know, it's my opinion for what it's worth um please uh as everything on the show um i'm it's completely up to you uh to tell me what you think and i will make that content on the show if you want to if you want to just tell me it privately and don't want me to put it on the show to so tell me um go to press. that's the website contact link in the feedback section in the in the site header um and you know just let me know because i'm very interested in that i want to you know I, I wanna know what, what what all of us think about this. Shavy. Anyway, with that, let's get into IT security. Let's talk a little bit about cyber war <music> So whenever there's a big hacker attack, uh vulnerability, own systems Cyber wars mentioned these days. Uh, I personally find this t- term hilarious. I find any term with cyber hilarious because, you know, I'm a child. I grew up at the other end of the 80s, uh, got my first computer in 89. And uh grew up in the 90s then with, with this computer and then got the internet in 98. And to us, you know, me growing up as a teenager, cyber was cyber sex. Right? One is cyber. That was like on the forums. That was like... That was like when we couldn't like, you know, back in the day, you know, this is this is grandpa uh, tells you a story from the war back in the day when I was a kid, like the Internet wouldn't even like support you couldn't have cyber sex. You didn't have a camera. You couldn't like you couldn't send somebody dick pics or anything. You could just like text like cyber was like, you know, graphically describing what you were doing to the other like it's it's hilarious. Um so I always think I you know, I always think cyber anything with cyber is just the laugh. Um but you know, it's it's a term now. Um <laughs> Okay, so as everybody uh, will know by now, I, I I'm streaming this show live on Twitch while we record it. So we just had a great comment from Mo- from Mode 7 uh, in Twitch chat. I remember girls scanning their tits on a flatback flatbed scanner to share online. Well, uh, you were you were a lucky, 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 lucky person when you grew up. I, I never saw that. Like up to this day, I probably I have to go to Pornhub now to look that up. I'll do that after the show. Um, so I'm streaming my desktop live so everybody can see how I produce this podcast. <laughs> but uh, it was slow, mind you. Yes, uh, as every, I can remember, like I can remember the po- first porn image I saw was ASCII porn right and then you had like so slow internet connection you had the first pictures and they were like i mean i think there were even gifs at the first, like not animated they were just like horribly pixelated and they loaded line by line and you could just basically watch it oh my and then it was just like some playboy scan right it wasn't even like hardcore pornography or anything oh my god that those were the days anyway so that's why i think uh, the term cyber is hilarious. But anyway, let's call it cyber war. Everybody calls it cyber war. Cyber attacks. Um, whenever something big happens, um, that's what people say. You know, it was the Russians. The Russian hackers. Um, so what does Wikipedia actually say? So they define, if you, if you look for cyber, uh, sorry, not for cyber, if you look for cyber war, uh, Wikipedia forwards you to cyber warfare. And they define that as such. Cyber warfare is the use of digital attacks to attack a nation, causing comparable harm to actual warfare, and/or disrupting the vital computer systems. There is significant debate among experts regarding the definition of cyber warfare, and even if such a thing exists, one view is that the term cyber warfare is a misnomer since no offensive cyber actions to date could be described as war. An alternative view is that cyber warfare is a suitable label for cyber attacks which cause physical damage to people and objects in the real world. Now, the question is, is that even a thing? Is this like a term we should use? Because I don't think that um, happens much. <laughs> Mode 7 says we had to work hard for our prawn back in the day. Yes, indeed. We did so is this actually, is this a thing, right? Um, is, 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 is cyber warfare actually a thing? Now before i go into that I and mean, before we talk um you know cyber uh it security uh let's quickly just have a very quick view in history what war is right war uh is usually defined as a you know a, a, a combative actions between kind of the official militaries of two nations it doesn't have to be two nations you know it could, can be civil war you know it could be a militaries or you know within a nation or like competing like you know maybe the military and maybe an uprising um but you know it gets gray like the french revolution was that was was that a war um you know um you know you don't really that's usually a war is between nations or between like you know uh, competing people competing to um to to govern or to own a um attractive land, you know, like um sometimes, you know, sometimes it's weird. Like sometimes they're not per se nations, you know. Um for example, or you know, when the or there's like weird situations. You have World War One, right, where there's the Russian Empire uh, and they have an army and then the revolution breaks out and then suddenly there's a Red Army and that's fighting like the other armed forces and then they retreat like they 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 you know, extract themselves from the actual war they're in. Like, they're they're corner cases. But, you know, generally, back in the day, especially, like, in the Middle Ages, right, you had a declaration of war. You had a king, and he would write to another king, you know, kind of Game of Thrones, and send a raven off (laughs) and go, "Um, Dear sir, I would like to inform you that I'm declaring war. Now, that's an important thing, because, you know, it's an international... in international politics like the declaration of war is an important thing but it's not that important anymore um right you can see with the beginning of world war one i think generally um that like the declaration of war like the britain declaration of war wasn't that important anymore you still had it kind of world war one but it, by the time world war ii rolls around it's just kind of like an afterthought right i mean germany had invaded poland i don't know i can't remember when they actually declared war but it was like you know that already captured like half of the polish territory i think so that there it's more like the action that you're doing um, that's declaring, you know, that's 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 the war, like that that's the declaration of war, kind of th- same thing. It, I mean, it gets even more complicated, and it gets more gray these days, right? When Russia invaded Crimea, ostensibly starting a war with the, with Ukraine. I mean, to this day, the official government Russian government position is that they have not invaded Crimea, right? That it's like uh, Eastern Ukrainian um like separatists fighting maybe with like underhanded help from the russian military who knows you know fighting the other military in ukraine when it's obvious that it was like instigated by russia you know there's i mean there's ample proof now um it's relatively clear you can you you know you can see there's russian arms being used there's like russian soldiers like without patches on their uniforms, basically, you know, special opsing in. I mean, it, it's relatively clear. But, I mean, that's not a declared war, right? Russia is not, like, de facto at war with Ukraine. Um, I mean, don't, not, both sides don't agree on that. And that's, like, this is kind of something that that built itself out, I think, to, you know, came out of the Cold War. Where since the Cold War, you know, since you have nuclear powers... Basically, you can't declare war on a nuclear power. You can't declare like all-out war on Russia because they nuke you, right? War, per definition, generally would be the fighting with all means you have, right? There's no in international law. There's no like, oh, I'm declaring a conventional war, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna declare war on you, provided that you only fight back with like tanks and planes and ships. But don't use your nuclear bombs and don't use your, I don't know, whatever, like chemical weapons. Or I mean, you know, then you get into what's outlawed. That's important as well. Like it's, you know, there's the Geneva Conventions. There's like conventions, what kind of stuff you can use, like what kind of weapons you can use. And then there's the question, like, do people actually, you know, adhere to that or don't they? Why am I talking about this? Because the crux of cyber war is exactly that. If you accept that cyber war exists and you know cyber cyber warfare has been perpetrated uh, in the past, then you do it to not declare a war, right? You want to hurt somebody, but because it's such a new arena and it's not accepted as an actual battlefield, even though you know lots of militaries now have—I don't know—the U.S. has like this U.S. Cyber Command. Wait, oh, damn! Why don't I have my? I'm not prepared. As always, as always. U.S. Cyber Command. I think that's that's how they have to be called, like just like Space Force is Space Force. It's the U.S. Cyber Command. Um, and you know the German military has whatever it was La von der line cooked up when that was still her job, like the cyberwehr or whatever the fuck it is, and they have like digital. Camouflage, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, they probably just play uh, Escape from Tarkov <laughs> all day. Um, you know, so it's a it's like an arena that you where you can ostensibly it's an arena where you can attack a country without them being able to fight back, or they can fight back in the air court cyber arena. But you know, it's not a declaration of war, right? If you're a NATO member. You know, there's the NATO. Um, God, I don't even know what's called in English. In, in Germany, we call it the, the Bündnisfall, you know, the alliance thing. You know, the thing that triggers NATO, the NATO clauses, right? If somebody attacks a NATO country, then there's there's a contract and there's international law that says, or or you know, alliances and and, and pacts that say that all other NATO countries need to defend that NATO country, right? But like a cyber attack doesn't trigger that, so or it doesn't yet. I don't, I don't know, but that that is why, in theory, um, you would. Um, that's why. That's why a nation would commit cyber warfare. Also, it's cheap, right? You get a few hackers in some building somewhere. You supply them with pizza and Mountain Dew, and then you just go right. Just you know, do whatever you want. Rack rack places, steal data. You know, fuck them. But don't get caught. Uh, <laughs> and you do that. And then if you get caught, you're like, oh, we don't know who these people are. Uh, what building? That building? No. No, no. That was pizza delivered? No, no. I, we don't know anything about that. No, that's a school. That's a school, man. That's a school. Um, so, yeah, it's it's cheap. It's uh, You can't get. So, you know, there are reasons why states do this. Now, do I believe that states do this? I think yes. I think it's a case of it's. It's, um, it's completely, um, how, do, how do I say this? I mean, it's believable that they would do that, right? Why wouldn't they do that? Uh, and so probably somebody's doing it, right? The, the point is, it's kind of really hard to, I mean, that's why you would do it as well. It's kind of really hard to get caught or to catch them or to prove that it was like somebody from a country. And we'll get into why that is, but but generally it's because, you know, let's say the German Bundestag gets attacked, um, and then you, you there's a you know there's malware, you look into the malware, it's like, oh, it's all Russian. And then you trace it back to the server and servers in Russia, right? Do you go, yeah, it's the Russians? Or do you go maybe it was the Chinese, right, who wrote malware in Russian. They just got somebody who, who can write Russian, right? They wrote the malware in Russian and then infiltrated its server in Russia without the Russians knowing and then started the attack from there, right? And then you go like, yeah, but it was like written in a time zone, it's like Moscow time zone and like they worked on Friday, like Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, and you're like, yeah, but wouldn't, couldn't the Chinese just get a crack team that just gets, that the, does night shifts, like switches their whole living schedule over to Moscow time? hmm i mean you know that's how i would do it i'm not like i'm not i don't work for intelligence service i'm not like spectacularly intelligent but like even i could come up with that idea so it's like that's what's called attribution right that's that's really really hard um and I'll, i'll talk a little bit about that later but you know so the, the the general problem, I think, yes, I think this is happening, but it's like really hard to, understand, to to see. And I think it's also overrated because I you know whenever you read about this, oh my God, they're gonna gonna hack the nuclear power plants and those explode and then we're dead. Or like you see Hollywood movies and they hack all the traffic lights, right? And they all show green at the same time. Everybody runs into each other, everybody's dead, uh, all the roads are fucked, everything explodes. That's not how it works, right? Oh, well, the traffic lights are not all connected, like even if they were, like, you know, there would probably be one accident somewhere and then somebody goes, wait, all the traffic lights are showing green everywhere. Let's just not drive without looking. Maybe the traffic lights are broken, right? Then there's a the thing where nuclear power plants are not completely controlled by like a computer Right, there's always like these computers are isolated, they're not on the internet, they have different networks. Like, there's a hardware button you can press where you can turn it off. Yes, you can cause, um, uh, I mean, you can cause harm, uh, you can, you can certainly destroy equipment. I mean, there's one, um, one case actually, I didn't put this in the show notes, so this is why I'm like. I'm playing for time here because I'm looking for something to write this down so I can can do this show notes. I mean one um one famous example is um and I don't even know what it was called. Damn it, what's wrong with my brain today? Um the, the Iranian thing. Iranian nuclear sentry fuges hacker attack. See this is how a journalist works. You just put that into Google and then it tells you Stuxnet. Well, I know a lot about Stuxnet. I just couldn't remember. Um, so Stuxnet uh, is one of the examples. where, like I think was it the Israelis? It's hard to tell who it was the Israelis, the Americans. Somebody basically put malware in a in the in in the plant in Iran where they were refining uh, uranium. I think was it plutonium? I think it was uranium something something radiological uh you know And there was like some semen centrifuges and they were of course controlled over a computer and basically um they made the centrifuges just spin a lot without actually the panel telling you that they would do and then they just broke right they just fell apart they just broke so you know they put back the iranian nuclear program program for you know whatever uh amount of time I mean you can certainly do that and it's it's and it's been been done in the past. Um but generally it's not like you know it's not like the end of the world. I think it gets over over exaggerated. Sorry, I was hitting my microphone with my pen there. Um let's, let's take a let's take a sip of grog. While we're at it. Um so and one of the problems is like that it's like really hard to 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 see who did something right there's like there's like all these different kinds of hacker attacks cyber attacks you can do um you can do them for all kinds of different reasons and there's like all these kind of different people doing them so we have for example there's viruses there's worms trojans botnets you know ddos attacks phishing DNS attacks, scams, CO scams. I'll we'll just put some down that I can remember. Ransomware, industrial espionage, attacks on critical infrastructure, sh- supply chain attacks, and we'll, we'll be getting into like I'll be explaining some of them. I have some historic uh, examples here, but you know there's all this all this crap, uh, and then there's all these different people who can do it, who do it. Like you know you start with script kiddies, right? Bored board teenagers in their bedrooms. You know, they read some stuff on the internet and then go, oh, let's create a virus. And they have caused havoc in the past, I can tell you. Like, these poor mostly men, right? Because young men are dumb because they're controlled by their penis and their hormones. And they think it's cool. So let's do this. And, you know, they have wrecked shit in the past that if you just looked at, like, whatever they caused, you you, you, you might think, hey, oh, this was like a country fucking with us. Um, you know, then there's professional hackers that's people who, they're professional they get paid for what they do um there's organized crime you know who pays professional hackers um and then there's of course state-sponsored hackers who are just like sometimes you know it's military units maybe sometimes it's just you know shady uh, state agencies um paying professional hackers sometimes paying script kiddies. um there's intelligence services you know, it all gets blurry. You know, it could be intelligence services paying skip trip kitties. Who knows? Maybe the script kitties don't even know. Like it, it blurs all into each other. How am you gonna figure that out? And I think, and this is not this is not something that the press discusses a lot, but I think this is a thing. I think there's political operators. I think you now have if you have an election going on somewhere, you have different camps and they're probably hacking each other. Or they're doing they're hacking other people and you know, maybe news networks or whatever, right? Um, spreading misinformation. I don't know, you you know, there could be high-risk kiddies to just, you know, mess with the other party. You know, you have stuff like, um, you know, the the Hillary Clinton email leaks. Like, was that the Russians? Uh, Was that the opposition? Right? It it gets, like, really, really hard. So let's let's go through a little bit of a history, since I'm old, old man here, and talk a little bit about uh, the, like, what historically... How it developed so if you're a bit younger, um, you don't remember the early days uh, let me tell you I you know I uh, used a computer in 89 and I remember the early days right this was like 10 years before I got the internet uh, we still had viruses right you would you'd be in school and you'd swap like this you know like um, floppy disk like these things you know the safe icon right that thing that was like a thing. Um, and f- at first they were really big and they they were wobbly. That's why they're called floppy disks. <laughs> I'm just being, <laughs> I was making a little bit of funnier. But yeah, so uh, you know we were sp- we were we were we were exchanging those uh, because basically we didn't want to pay for video games like you don't today, and uh, you could just you know a friend gave you like a game and we were spreading viruses that way, um, you know. Uh, so I remember the first like boot sector viruses. I got one really early on. Like, when I barely understood what the computer was and how boot sector worked, you know, I had to learn all that shit. There was no internet. You had to kind of figure out, buy books and read shit, and just wreck your computer trying to figure out how it all worked. And, you know, I never got the Michelangelo virus, but that's a famous example, so I put a link in the show notes. That's like one of the earliest ones. And these boot sector viruses was just some some idiot writing it, because writing viruses was really new. And basically, what they did is they like overrode your boots. They didn't. They didn't even mostly interact with the operating system. They just like fucked up your boot sector. And you couldn't boot your PC anymore. Like if they were really, really, really good, they like the guys writing them. They could like write a message, right? And so you try to boot up your computer, and it would say, "Ha ha, you're fucked," <laughs> right? Um, like this was at the time when basically you couldn't do ASCII art <laughs> because it had to like put it in the bios it was like a bias message or whatever so that was like the first virus and that was a classical virus basically hiding as a file and you copied it right and then you executed like you might have you might get a floppy disk with the game there was an exe file on there right and you execute that because you thought you were starting the game but in reality you were starting this virus and it was fucking up your boot sector um And then, you know, it developed. We're still still at the time where, you know, people are writing viruses for fun. Uh, There was things like the, uh, oh, actually, Michelangelo itself, like that virus actually didn't even fuck your computer. It just fucked your computer on one specific day, like every year, which was like Michelangelo's birthday. Um, And, of course, uh, then later on you had other viruses like the, and then, you know, we're getting into like worms, and like email viruses, and so "I love you" is a very famous example. This is like from the 90s. Um, this is actually just spread via email, but then was wor- like worm. A virus means basically a virus is something you have to copy yourself. Uh, a worm is something that you execute, and this is mostly more. Um, so pretty much any virus these days is a worm, uh, I guess. Uh, they're more advanced, you know, and they they will replicate themselves right and this would like kind of you'd get it in an email you uh, just execute it by 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 you know by mistake and then it would send itself off via email or it would copy itself you know on a floppy disk that was in your floppy drive whatever um so that's when you get worms right and they they basically they basically spread themselves um i remember a really bad worm and this is like we're talking 2006 maybe i was working for net cologne as a support technician in schools and we got the conficker and conficker is like joe it's like english you know the word config config file and Ficker in german means fucker so it's the config fucker <laughs> and this was um this was a botnet basically but you know a botnet is just um you know, you have viruses, you have worms that spread themselves, you have Trojans, which are usually like very lean viruses that you download, you execute, and then they're called Trojans because you think there's something else, right? They might hide as like back in the day, it was like screensavers, free screensaver, you execute it, get no free screensaver, nothing happens. But in the back, you know, what you don't know is that the virus just executed And it's basically uh, now on your computer and then download something, a payload. That's usually, you know, what Trojans do. And uh, you would get into these botnets where basically these uh, Trojans would download uh, a software that would turn your computer into a a slave. Like you'd you'd think your computer is okay, but it basically belongs to somebody else on the Internet now right and then it would announce itself typically on the ic channel back in the day and go hey there was like a really obscure ic channel somewhere with some guy watching it and like you know all these these bots would come in you know these these owned computers would 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 sign up they're like oh i somebody just executed me and now i'm at your command master and then people would collect them right they would collect thousands hundreds of thousands of these machines usually to do ddos attacks right to uh you know direct all of these machines traffic's traffic without their user knowing to a website and then kick it you know kick it off the net which you can use too for blackmail you know you can go to like amazon before a big black friday and say right you pay us 10 million dollars or your website will be down all day tomorrow and that's that's how all this stuff started um (laughs) <laughs> mode 7 says that's a blast for a pass i was playing quake 3 when i was hit with blaster i thought my motherboard was dying or something i can't i don't even i know the name um what specifically did blaster do it just play sounds on your sound blaster <laughs> um yeah configure was really bad because we got it in schools it was really good at spreading itself it used like a ton of um uh, like you know security vulnerabilities in windows Um, to spread itself on the network actively. Oh, it rebooted the machine sporadically. Yeah, these kinds. They were like that was really nasty. It was even worse than just deleting your boot sector, right? You could fix that. Or you're like, okay, I reinstall my systems. Fuck. If it just reboots sporadically, you're like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) I'm not sure what else it did, but everyone in the land started to experience it. Yeah, so this was the thing with configure, right? So we imagine like a school network, right? Imagine I'm in school. There's like 800 computers in the whole school, right? And you're like, okay, you go in there, you do like networks. You you plug like your Linux uh, notebook into this into the network, uh, so it can't get inf- infected because it's Linux, and this this thing is looking for Windows machines. And then you do like a, you know you these, these this con- configer try to actively find other machines on the on the land, so you could pinpoint. You, you like install some rules and you could I don't know what they used back in the day uh, Wireshark or Edmap or something. We could kind of figure out which machines were infected, right? And then I'd have to look up. Okay, this is all the machine names that are infected, right? And then I had to go to the to the uh, guy on the um, on the. Okay, I'm gonna. Motav just sent me a link to Blast. I'm gonna put that in the show notes so everybody can experience that. Um, so then you you go to the like facility management and ask okay I got a list of all these machines and you have to figure out in which rooms they are you have to get access to them you know they might be might get passwords because they are like uh, teacher machines whatever and you spend all day basically you'd reinstall everything right you, because you like these machines you can't trust you have images but you have to reinstall them. And then you did that for a day or two. Like, you you shut all the computers off so the thing couldn't spread itself. And then you fixed, like, every computer, one after the other, that was infected. And then a week later, you go, or, like, two days later, you get a call from school. It's like, what the hell did you do? The virus is back. And it's just, like, some machine that wasn't in school at the time or wasn't on or whatever still had it. Or like some teacher or some stu- like multi teachers, just, uh, students weren't like using, weren't allowed to use USB stick or whatever. But somebody took a file home, got it on the stick, and just reinfected the network. The thing would spread. Like it was like whack-a-mole. There were schools where like I was like for months, I would just like I was getting so sick of it. I would by the end I would just listen to podcasts and just do it because it was just so automatic. And oh god, I can't configure. Configure was really that. That was. Um, that was a bastard of a virus or a worm. Um, now, interestingly, a few years later, uh, I wrote a story for Heise. This, was, uh, this is actually a case where a nuclear power plant got infected. So there was a nuclear power plant in Germany uh, called Gundremmingen. Gun- Dre- Gun- I think it's off the off the off the grid now. Um, that got infected with like viruses. I think one of it was Configure, basically a um, Somebody in this uh, you know in the office uh, like in the front office of something opened the email classic story it didn't get caught by antivirus spread in the network. This actually wasn't the the control network, so this was the um this was like the the office network which wasn't connected to the control network and it's a typical typical example of a story where everybody goes, "Oh my God, a virus in a nuclear power plant we're all gonna die and it wasn't scary at all. Right, It was just like infecting office, even if it had gotten on the fucking control computer, whatever it was that controls whatever, like, you know, industrial control SCADA system that controls some part of the reactor. This was a fucking virus that tried to com- put computers into botnet to mine, like, Bitcoin or do DDoS attacks, right? It wasn't... And this was back in the day, I think, when you could still mine Bitcoin on normal machines. Um that was a long time ago um but uh you know it wouldn't have done anything like there was nobody looking to own a nuclear power plant um it just it just happened um you know that i mean that's just like that that's one of the examples where i think you know um where it's like overhyped right like they could have they could have said uh Oh my god. Uh we're gonna die. It's a Russian hacker attack. Right? And it, it might have even come from a server in Russia. Uh I don't know. But you know, it, it's just de facto not a not a bad not a bad thing. And I, I mean just a normal thing. It's just like any other office, any other company getting infected. Um I mean I'm not saying somebody could tailor a virus you know, kind of like Stuxnet that goes into a nuclear power plant and then fucks it up. Um, I'm just saying if that causes the nuclear power plant to explode, it's not because cyber was bad because, but it's because this nuclear power plant is designed badly. And, you know, we've thought about these things long time now that I hope they are defending against this kind of shit. And they, they fix this kind of shit. Um, and so it, like, these things develop further and further, uh, getting into botnets. So a good example there is uh, Mirai, which was actually an IoT botnet, um, which was originally developed by some script kiddies, uh because they were having, like, okay, this is a hilarious story, some... You know, there were, there were like, all these competing Minecraft hosting companies before Mojang. I mean, there still are, but, like, before Mojang did their own. service. Everybody was like, oh, my God, use this company. And apparently, somebody was running a Minecraft hosting company, just some kid in his bedroom, like some teenager or whatever. Um, and there was, like, he, he wanted to take all, down a competitor, which he didn't like. So, he wrote himself a botnet, right? He wrote himself a Trojan, a virus, uh that would put computers into botnet which he could then use uh to fuck with this other Minecraft hosting company. Now at some point he was done with whatever and he probably sold it to like sold the source code to some people but at some point he, he went like I'm going open source. I'm using that in air quotes. He basically put the the Mirai source code into the public domain. And that's when other people took it and wrote you know developed it further and wrote like the one case was like uh, this iot botnet which basically specifically looks for iot devices i.e not like computers like your desktop computer that you turn off at night but like your your home router right or that thing that powers like whatever you use to change the color of your light bulbs or your flips you or whatever any like your internet connected washing machine right a system that's always on the internet it's never turned off, which is great if you want a DDoS attack. Because, you know, for DDoS attacks, you don't need a lot of power in the individual machines. You just need a lot of individual machines. You need to control them, and they need to be on the Internet at all times, preferably with an Internet address that doesn't change. Um, so IoT stuff is, is perfect for that. And um, this r- rose to fame when this guy wanted to attack. I th- Well, this was, I don't know, some guy, like, it was open sourced, in air quotes put in public domain there are lots of versions somebody used the version that he wrote himself or rented i don't know what the fuck you know people rent these things this organized crime comes in some people write it other people rent it you know rent it off to people they pay for it they rent it to do ddos attacks um you know to extort money whatever it's like an economy thing it's like its own underground economy but you know somebody used a mirai version because they wanted to take down, for whatever reason, some, some ISP in the UK, uh, completely backfired. And what they basically did is, because of some configuration error, infected a lot of home routers of Deutsche Telekom. And this was a worm, so it would infect like one of these routers and then spread to the next one. Um, so these all these telecom routers were vulnerable for a certain security vulnerability, and uh, it just spread from router to router. And it just it took it literally took down a good part of the German internet one day. I was at work at Heiser. it was panic, it was pandemonium, it was hilarious. Uh, and yeah, so uh, that, was, uh, that was Mirai. Um, and then we get to ransomware, that was the hot shit for a while. Um, people realized that, you know, DDoS attacks and uh, extorting money or actually like, like the classic cybercrime thing. Cyber, cyber, cybercrime, uh, where you basically uh install a virus on somebody's computer and then you watch what happens and you like do a keylogger or whatever and you you wait for them to log into their banking, you uh get all the passwords, then when they're sleeping, you do it and you see all their money, right? That's a lot of work and it doesn't work in many cases. Um, and so they figured oh, hey, it's a very easy if we just automate a thing where like if somebody we spread our malware however like via email as a worm on the internet it's in downloads over corrupted banner what the whatever have a trojan download this thing and then we use a thing like a boot sector virus but instead of fucking their system we put a message on screen that says you can't use your system unless you pay us you pay us a ransom uh and that of course Got like you know bitcoin is one of the things that made that possible because that was a way of relatively anonymously um getting people to pay you money um so that was the hot thing for a while and you know this was literally at first i think just professional hackers doing it then actually organized crime gangs doing it because there was a lot of money in it, then they extorted specifically hospitals or specifically government institutions. And it worked. Like for a while the FBI was saying, just pay it. You know, just pay it. Because they, they were using like this this cryptography where right, if they coded it right, uh, they could have you know, they could actually uh, free your computer. Like they could, you know, you would send the money and they would they would send you a code and then you would put that in at your boot screen and you would be okay. Um, of course, if you had backups, you wouldn't have done any of that. You just reinstall your computer, put the backup, put an image on, whatever, you, you're you good to go. But most people don't have backups or don't have recent backups or don't have working backups. So, you know, there were government institutions who were paying this. There were hospitals who were paying this, schools, people, like private citizens, Um the uh, FBI at one point was saying, "Just pay; it's just easy." And then some of the gangs actually never, never unlocked your PC, but the the successful ones did. And there were some that actually had like working hotlines that were better than your ISP hotline, where they would actually help you <laughs> unlock your PC and buy bitcoins and whatever. Um, yeah. So of course, there's all these other scams where they put a, like a virus on your computer, it does something then uh, they, they figure out what your telephone number is or they get you to call a number and then you have tech support from Microsoft or an antiv- antivirus company supposedly and then they you know, help you. Or even like they're just ringing you and like, oh, please, uh, this is Microsoft support. Please go to the website and do this. People do that. And they actually download the virus themselves. Um, and then, you know, whatever. Um, it's just... It's like all this. Sorry, I'm whacking my microphone again. <laughs> um, like, it's all these different things. And now, the interesting thing is, um, we now get to like suspected cyber war, suspected cyber, att- you know, uh, cyber warfare, or let's say attacks by state sponsored actors uh, that, that were made to look like there were ransomware attacks. I mean, there's the Sony Pictures hack. Um, which is thought to be uh, North Korea fucking with Sony Pictures for some movie about North Korea they did, which North Korea didn't like, um, which looked like a ransomware attack but wasn't. I mean, if you if you if you have a ransomware virus and it basically functions like a boot sector virus that completely deletes every data on the computer uh, instead of being recoverable, um, then you can't tell that really from. It could just be a badly written ransomware virus. Right. Same thing. There was a NotPetya, there was a ransomware um called Patya. and then there was a version called NotPetya um which looked like a um a ransomware but wasn't. It was like you could actually tell from the code they were never really trying to, you know, extort bitcoin. Basically they were trying to fuck with companies it's thought to be the Russian, uh, some Russian military intelligence, just trying to fuck with you know the the, the European economy, um, and you know there's a large scale ransomware attacks which had the same. Like actual ransomware, I think, which won a cry. That's also disputed, but you know, you don't know. It could also be a ransomware attack that just went out of hand and affected everything. And then you know, you basically can't tell this apart. Uh, actually, uh, the funny thing about NotPetya is, I did some research again today, and I came across the English Wikipedia, which actually uh, lists a references a Heiser story of mine because I was um, back in the day. They were going like. So basically there was ransomware called Petya, right, by a guy who I think really liked the GoldenEye movies. And I personally love the GoldenEye movies, huge fan of uh, Brosnan's Bond, uh, GoldenEye, one of my favorite movies. And uh, they named their ransomware, this was like a guy who had a Twitter account, ostensibly you know you can never really tell but it looked like it who named he had like the evil hacker from goldeneye as like his avatar and he named his ransomware after the satellites they use like these um, nuclear bomb satellites that caused the emp attack right there's misha and Petya, and um yeah that goldeneye movie i am invincible that movie exactly mode um love that movie um you know that's this very stereotypical russian hacker in the In the movie, and he had him as an avatar, which I think is just good class. Anyway, so I kind of came up with the idea that that's why they were called Petya. And at first, the second attack, which you know, the was actually a supply chain attack, which is interesting, um, which is thought to be a state-sponsored attack, um, was they actually copied like his original Petya, and then he went on Twitter and said, "This is not my malware, right? I actually, I actually just, I'm, I'm a good guy," in air quotes. I just extort people. And I actually give them back their data if they pay me. Um, this is, this is actually, this doesn't decrypt anything. It's not me. Somebody is stealing my name, right? So they were actually stealing a professional criminal's malware, probably to, to, to have a state sponsored attack that looked like it was that criminal. And that's why I think Kaspersky originally named it not Patya, because it's not Petya. Um, but yeah, um, interesting inter- interesting sorry now the interesting thing about not Star- not, not is that it was one of the first these large-scale um, supply chain attacks because uh, what happened here was there was an Ukrainian company that made tech software um, that was called MeDoc. which basically if you're in the, if you're in Ukraine they have like Germany has that as well they have tax software. Which, but in Ukraine, you mandated to use that. You have to use that. I think in Germany, they start with that as well. But you know, um, and but it, it's not only Ukraine. It's also all the companies that do business in Ukraine need this to file their taxes. And these hackers managed to own the server um, that sends out the software updates for the software. So they owned that server. They made a malicious software update. Right, And a software update is just an executable in most cases that gets pushed to all the computers, gets executed automatically, uh, mostly with system privileges, and then, you know, installs the new software. But in this case, it's installed malware, which then fucked all the machines and pretended to be ransomware, which wasn't, it just completely scrambled all the data on all the machines, caused huge problems, uh, masked the uh international shipping conglomerate actually the company that ships uh 20 percent of all goods um that are shipped worldwide um are shipped by Maersk and they got so fucked that uh they had to work literally with pen and paper for two weeks because all their computers pretty much all their computers got fucked uh, it's hilarious um, there was a, I think at Davos, their CEO, uh, CEO of Molar um gave a talk about this, which is hilarious. We, it sounds like how we got woken up in the night. And it's like, we're oh, fucked. All the computers aren't working. What are we gonna do? Um, yeah. So, supply chain attack, pretty fun thing. Uh, something we'll be talking about if I talk about this uh, solar wind thing uh, in an upcoming episode uh but generally like i mean this was this was this was even worse because not only was it executed with system privileges but they had some like the software had some really weird network like really high level windows network privileges to like inst- like it would like kind of get the software update on one client and then like um like you know uh, distributed through the network but it had some privileges like very high privileges that it actually didn't need for that but i think this caused it to it could take over like the domain controller or something like it is some like so it could like basically you got it like on one machine in the network and it would completely fuck your whole network even if like this Medoc software wasn't installed on there um so that's that's fun you know, and, then, and I mean, that's something you can do as a state. Like, you can do that. You can fuck somebody's. I mean, that wouldn't make sense. You can completely like destroy. Like, I mean, this cost billions of euros uh, of of damage on the European economy. Like, right? companies literally went like. I think Musk put like four billion uh, euros aside to fix all of this. <laughs> they had to reinstall all of their computers, all this. I mean, they had literally. Um, it, it's like you think, like, oh, the computers aren't working well. But, like, if you're a shipping conglomerate, you know, mask are the guys with these huge ships. Have you ever been, like, in a, at a harbor? You know, I lived in Hamburg, went to a Hamburg harbor, off like These ships are, like, they, they, it's all these containers on there. They live wide, they're fucking high. You're like, that's a fucking skyscraper in the water. And they just go into a harbor. It's very expensive to get them into the harbor, the slot where they are, where they're being, um, you know, loaded with stuff or unload. It's very expensive. So they sat, like, in their slots in the harbor that cost, like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of euros a day uh, just to sit there. And, like, they couldn't unload the ship. They are like, okay, that's 500,000 euros. That's another 500,000 euros. That's another 500,000. We can't do anything. Like, we don't – literally don't know where to put these containers, what to do with them. It's all in our computers. Um, yeah, so you can you, you can cause trouble, right? You can't really make, like, generally houses explode or whatever. Um, Or at least we have, you know, don't really, wouldn't know how that works. So I haven't seen that. I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible, especially now when you're putting, like, that. that's the thing. Like, people are completely over-exaggerating this kind of crap. And they're like, oh, my God, we're going to die cyber attacks. And then on, like, some... You know, publication, and the next article is like, oh, put all this smart home software in your house. You're like, at the point where we're doing that, we're like, our ga- like gas is controlled by this shit, and is connected to the internet by some shady Chinese like router that the who the hell knows who did the software for that, and if it's secure. Like at that point, yes, then I think we're not like we're not at a point where you can cause serious damage with like. Other than monetary damage, like bodily harm with this stuff, but I'm thinking we're getting there. We're building a world. Like, maybe that's another episode I could do at some point. We're building a world in the future where this is possible. You know, I talked about securities and cars a little bit. I mean, that's that's another point. You know, self-driving cars, self-driving trains. You know, at some point we'll have safe, self-flying airplanes. You know, this that is when this kind of shit is gonna is gonna get really interesting. Um, um, and then you know we had some actual attacks that look like they were state sponsored and you know I don't know if they're cyber war we had for example there was an attack on the German parliament in 2015 which is also thought to be the Russians Um, you know often this, this is like to exfiltrate data I mean this is like there's also like the thing where it's like it's not really warfare right it's like espionage it's like industrial espionage or it's like state level espionage which often isn't like that's the whole that's what james bond is all about right james bond's job like these people's jobs is to do shady shit without causing wars you know that's that's deniable um that you can just put on other things you know when you get caught you're like oh this was a rogue agent or whatever um yeah, that's I think that is what these kind of cyber attacks are most often used for when they're used by states. It's just an extension of um of espionage. Right? It's not it's not cyber war. Um I mean we can talk about Snowden and the stuff he taught us about what the NSA and other agencies are doing. And probably all our intelligence services, you know, wherever you listen to this all doing, but that's not like, that's not warfare, right? That's just, um, that's just, it's espionage, right? It's it's not, it's not something that will cause a war when you get caught and it's, it's not out in the open. Uh, <laughs> mode seven is just, uh, yeah, this is something I didn't put in, but not because it's not fun because just of time. I mean, um, Um, what is talking about these iot vulnerabilities and like there's these sex toys um which i personally don't it's not my kink so i don't completely i don't understand how somebody would do this but you put like you put your penis in like this cage right that's a thing people do and then there's internet connected cages where like your partner who might be you know, you might have a distance relationship so far and you might be having cyber right over the internet and your partner puts their cock in a cage and then they can release it whenever they want. But you can hack it and then you can not, like somebody can hack it and then it like ransom your cock. They're like I'm a Russian hacker, I'm Russian hacker. I'm in your sex toy and I will uh, only release your cock if you pay me uh Bitcoin. Right? You can yeah, you can do that. I mean I wrote a lot of stories at Heiser because <laughs> all my colleagues uh, in the IT security department um I think were too posh to write these and I found them hilarious. There are lots of stories of like uh sex with security vulnerabilities. Um there was one I researched where basically uh it was a um a dildo with a camera at the end. I don't know why you would do that, but um, so it was like for you know people have long distance relationships, and you know um, the uh, per- <laughs> to say this in modern parlance, the person with the vagina, or like we said it back in the day, the woman uh, would um, fuck themselves with the dildo, and then the man or the the person, the other person with whatever primary sexual organs uh, can watch inside because the cameras I. I don't. anyway you could find them on the internet you could basically go war-, war driving through a city and find them and connect to wi-fi but then somebody made a handy map so you knew where they were so you could just go into your car and um yeah i did some research on this and yes you could just i you know i was in hanover at the time and i found several of these devices and um, luckily all the ones i uh, might or might not have Contacted uh, for research purposes, can't really go into the details. Luckily, they were just lying on the floor. Um, but yeah, um, that is shit that is happening out there. Um, while we are at cyber attacks, there was another like state sponsors att- attacks, there was another one uh in december 2015 uh over christmas which basically took down a part of the uh ukrainian power grid and you know this was in 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 the wake of the crimea incident so it's also thought to be like russian military intelligence or whatever just causing a little bit of havoc on the side um which is understandable um that is um believable i think it's just hard to prove um you know as i said before um the problem here is um attribution and attribution isn't you know as i explained you can fake everything it's a computer right it's data you can fake it you can you can write i can write a virus i can you know get somebody who's russian and make the code comments russian Right, I can write. I can change my computer clock to a different time. I can actually write it at a different time. I can own servers on the other side of the world and attack from there. It's always hard. It's all like it's it's never proof. It's always made out like in the news, like oh, we know it was the Russians, or alongside some security company says it was the Russians. And if you actually read into all this documentation they always have, it's just all circumstantial evidence. Right, it's often believable. But you know, you'd go like, yeah, it's. I would. I, yeah, it's. 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 Under, you know, it's. It's conceivable, or it's even likely, that this was coming from where he said it was. But it's far from proof, right? You, if you put that in, into court, right? If If we're doing like, if If you did, ev- like, if you had evidence like this for a murder charge, like the the judge, the guy would get off because the judge would got this is all circumstantial evidence. It looks like he did it, but you can't really prove it. Um, and this this kind of thing um so with this uh german um attack on the german parliament i wrote a story back in the day like one of the first stories about this i was actually on tv i was on mainstream um primetime tv um and they asked me about this and i you know and then they said you know the german government the german foreign minister oh no the german internal uh, minister said uh, this is um this was an attack from the Russians and I said oh yeah he says that okay uh, interesting and this is like why are you saying this and I'm like well because we don't have any proof and I I haven't seen any proof right I literally did ask the government um, can you tell me why you're saying this and they did got nothing back to me and um, so I was extremely skeptical I'm like I basically said I think the uh, internal interior minister uh, of the Federal Republic of Germany is full of shit Uh, (laughs) I said that very clearly. I think, like, I didn't say he's full of shit, but I, yeah, I was, I was very clear. And the um, the news lady was kind of shocked. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I thought that back in the day. I still think that. And the government had has held on to that. And I learned, like, I was asking them, like, for months, know, for years, like every month or something, like on the anniversary, or whatever, of that original story, I would like write to them. Can you give me information? Nobody ever gave me information, not even off the record and um years later i learned off the record from somebody uh who at the time you know re- reliable source i would say um who told me that and then later it actually i think it came out it was a story like somebody i think spiegel or faz or somebody you know it came out basically basically what happened is uh the german government knew it was the russians from a spy they they actually Interestingly, in an early press release they had said it was ordered by Vladimir Putin. And I was like, they're full of shit. Like, I wrote that in the story. I'm like, D- I didn't say they're full of shit, but I'm like, how would they, like, fucking know from any, like... First, it's, it's like two days ago. How do they have any forensic evidence at all that, you know, that is that advanced? Um, and how would they know it like Putin ordered it? And um, it's just... um They didn't like they didn't know from the forensic evidence. Um they basically they had a spy uh close to close to Putin's circle uh who uh you know who who kn- they knew from that spy that uh Putin had ordered it. But of course they couldn't say that because they couldn't endanger the spy, right? That's the James Bond story. But you know, so since then I've actually learned that it's often um so it can be can be two things or it can be three things either they have forensic evidence which like days after such an attack uh, is is extremely unlikely I mean to figure all this out needs months you need to collect the data you need to analyze it right you need to make sure that you did it right it's like doing science right it is basically science it takes ages um so uh generally that's that's pretty unlikely that they know especially if it's close to the event um it could be a political ploy, which I always default on, right? Which is like, okay, we have a beef with the Russians, we somebody hacked us, we just say it's the Russians. Um, you know, it's good propaganda. Or it could be a source like this, it could be an intelligence source, which they can't um can't tell you about. But you know, they know through a, a different um, avenue what has happened. And they can't they can't talk about that which i find interesting now it was very quickly um at the end of this this whole segment i want to quickly talk about i mean you have malware usually it uses like you know malware uh it's primarily uses people's stupidity right and by that i don't mean that derogatory In a derogatory way, everybody's stupid. There's a there's a book uh, my wife recommended to me once by a German uh, writer, which is called Sekundenschlaf, and it's a pun. If you're German, you might uh, appreciate this. uh, In in Germany, we have a term Sekundenschlaf. It's like um, in a car when you just nod off for a second, right? That's that's Sekundenschlaf. Literally, uh, sleep sleep of a second, and. Schlaf means to sleep. Schaf means sheep. So it's not the second sleep, it's the second sheep. And he explains a phenomenon where if you, if you, if you can, and you will, you you know, in your, in your personal life, you think about it, you will recognize this um you will be if you catch a person on the wrong foot they'll they'll do sometimes they'll do dumb shit like if they're not prepared like if you don't have time to think about it like you you're a sheep for a second right you're really dumb and in this book he just explains like lots of situations where this kind of thing happened to him uh, <laughs> which is hilarious uh, but everybody's like this right catch somebody in wrong situation you're in stress you're just you're, you're looking for that one email you get an email you're, you think it's your boss um you fuck, you're late with this anyway, you have this other problem. You do you just instinctively do what they say. Like usually you check links, you you see you you check, you never execute stuff you get in email. You all oh, you know all that. You've got antivirus, you get you know everything. But you know that second you're like, oh my god, I'm stressed. Or it might be a thing like this, you know, there's this by now well-known scam going around. Um where you were basically uh, somebody says, "Oh, I hacked your computer and I've caught you masturbating, and I'm going to put it on the internet unless you pay me." And people are just afraid. They're like, "Every," I mean, we all ma- men, right? If we get down to it, we're all masturbating. We all do this, and we all have webcams on our computers. You know, I I always unplug my webcams when I'm masturbating, but you know, you could forget it. Like, you could be scared. I personally am not scared. Like, you can't, you can't actually extort me for, with this. I'm like. Okay, put on the internet. Everybody masturbates. Like, we know what you masturbated to. Like, okay, yeah, uh, probably stepsister got stuck in a door because that's what every porn movie seems to be in the last two years. Um, So put it out there. But, you know, people are scared. Like, there there are lots of these scams with COVID that work because people are really scared of COVID. Um, So you, you, you can do these things and you can catch people out and you can basically break them at that moment and then they do something really dumb and you can do it with everybody. That's how CEO scams work, right? They might be into the already in the, in an email account in the company and they've looked at stuff for months. They know who, who everybody is and they know who the CEO is and they know how all the people are and they know who can, uh, can get what kind of money, right? Um, who can, um, has access to what kind of money they know all this shit, and then they see, oh, the CEO is going to Asia for a business deal, right? And then they can do the thing where, like, they send an email from the CEO's email account because they hacked that as well because they're in the network to, like, the second guy in charge. And they go, look, you know the deal we're talking about? Like, this is shit has hit the fan. I need you to wire 5 million euros to this account by tomorrow or we can't buy this company. And, you know, that works, that that works especially like if there's a power you know if if the if the second guy in charge is really used to getting these kind like these kind of like snap decisions from a ceo or whatever um yeah that is not even that's not even unlikely right that is you can't really um you you, you can't really fault uh the guy for that even pretty much. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just you caught him on the wrong foot. You knew exactly what you... These kind of things work. Um, So, yeah. So, that's usually uh, what malware depends on. That's of course, also security vulnerabilities. Uh, There are lots of systems with non-security vulnerabilities. They're not patched because everybody has shit to do. Um, Sometimes there's new systems, right? That's like when the pandemic hit, all these companies suddenly had to do home office, uh, you know, working from home, and they, they had to set up all these systems. They weren't used to it. Some of them, you know, get installed. People don't know what they're doing. Uh, default configurations, unsecure, shit like that. You have um, you, you you know you have vulnerabilities, and people will exploit them. Um, also, uh, and this is one specifically I just want to mention at the end because it comes up a lot. There's zero days. And uh, if you don't know what a zero day is, a zero day just means it's a security vulnerability that at the point, at the moment on the day where the shit hits the fan and all the systems are locked and everybody's fucked, that security vulnerability is not public. It is known because somebody knew it and exploited it, but it wasn't publicly known. So let's say it's a security vulnerability in Windows, a zero day in Windows, very dangerous because Microsoft doesn't know about it. Right? So they can't patch it. And so they they are already behind. By the day this, this thing hits and everybody's fucked. They have then they have to scramble to figure out what it is, write a patch, test that patch, deploy the patch, and then people are starting to be safe. But this is like days off. And people are already owned. That's why zero days are so important, and that's why they always get mentioned, because you know they're worth millions. Like a zero day in Windows, or in comparable antivirus software, or in comparable software is worth millions, right? In something like like MeDoc, maybe right? If you discover that, you can in underground shady place sell that to somebody, because intelligence services or companies that work with intelligence services buy that shit, and they need that um so there's always this debate with the NSA which you know presumably buys zero days to own people like isn't like other countries or just to keep them you know in their arsenal um to use later like isn't that dangerous shouldn't they actually fix that to protect because one of the missions of the NSA is attack but the other mission is to protect the american public like shouldn't they tell microsoft or whoever um, so they can protect the gen- general public and so that is why zero days in general um, are so important and you know just a fun thing put a link in the show notes to the excellent uh, Nordcore, which is rap song uh, zero day by mc Frontalot, which is amazing and you should listen to that it's very intelligent he actually explains very well about the zero days in that song and it's also fun and it's a good song um yeah so that's that's about it. So um, basically, what I want to say is like, so I don't think cyber was war is um, war. I think cyber war specifically not war. I think the only reason you do that is so that you don't cause war. So it's not an act of war, right? There will be no war declared because you did that. Um, I mean, it could be it could be an act of war in the future, right? But right, so presumably at some point we have automatic tanks or whatever uh you know if you then do a cyber attack that would probably be an act of war then that would be warfare Then you can call it cyber war right now it's just like a shady thing uh, to me it's in the same realm as what intelligence services do it's exactly that kind of um it's, had, it's had that it has that going for it it's a thing where um you can do it and you can deny responsibility, you have plausible deniability in most cases. Um, you know, people won't be able to easily figure out who did it, even if they do, they can't prove it. Um so it's for me it's it's that. It's I think I think cyber war actually hides the fact that this is an you know, by and large, I think. I mean, by and large, I think a lot of the things that get called cyber wars are just cyber attacks, probably by by criminals or like things that went wrong. But like the things that are actually by state actors, um, that's espionage. And I think it's 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 purposely actually being called and uh, being called cyber war because I think the intelligence services, you know, want to kind of hide that that's what they do. And, and you know, if they put it in the realm of the military, then people think about the military and then don't think about intelligence services. And um yeah it's just like you know intelligence services the only reason they exist you know you can, it can be argued and I don't want to do this because this is not really an ethics podcast but you can argue um if intelligence services should exist like in a in a rule of law in a, in a democracy right should Germany have an, an intelligence services and um, you could argue do they fulfill important roles are they needed could could actually uh, more transparent organizations do this kind of thing um, but I think and this is p- probably because I studied um, p- politics I remember I used to have a, an argument with my dad about this at one point a very heated argument uh, I personally think inte- the only reason intelligence services exist and this is you know that's why they are founded this is a historical fact I think um, is to um to do things that are illegal or a borderline illegal or are things that should not be known. That's why it's all secret. Uh, right? They do in many cases do things that are that contravene the laws of the land. So I believe that German intelligence services do things that, that are against the German Constitution. I do believe that US intelligence services do things to US citizens uh that contravene the, the Constitution of the United States. That's why they are there. Right? If they if they wouldn't do that, then this could just be done by a normal military uh, arm, right? But you wanna you wanna do shady shit. You wanna do shit where you where you're not getting caught, or you know it can't be pinned back on you. And you you know if you can do that, you can break laws, right? You, you tell yourself like the justification is, is for for the good of the people, and then you do that. And that's kind of I can draw a little bit of a circle to the first subject with the vaccinations here. I generally object to that. I'm not a utilitarian person. I'm not a. Um, I don't think um, on a on a level of the state there should ever be an argument like we can save if we can save people. This is justified. I think a functioning democracy, um, to me, and a rule of law, you know, in a rechtsstaat as we call it in German, um, is is defined by the fact that we have. Established certain ethical and moral guidelines that we will not cross, no matter what happens. And to me, a democracy, specifically a functioning democracy that can defend itself from its enemies, we call that wehrhafte Demokratie" in Germany. Right. So uh, to contradict the our current democracy from the Weimar Republic, which you know got taken over by the Nazis because it couldn't defend itself against. Enemies of the constitution. Um, that is characterized by, you know, a democracy usually is a people. You know, the majority of the people deciding not directly, but deciding with a elaborate elaborate system of what to do. Right, the majority rules. Um, and I think a democracy is only a functioning democracy, a modern democracy. Uh, Democracy that can defend itself against its enemies um, and, you know, stay a democracy only works um, if there are borders, like if there are um, rules and if there's a framework that can't be changed, like if you establish rules and say, we decided that as a society, we think this is morally paramount and we will not change this, then that, that that can't be changed even if the majority of the people at some point think that's a good idea. Right? If the if the because that is what happened with Nazi Germany, that is the thing we learned. The Nazis got to power in a democracy legally. Yes, they used repression and terror and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, uh they had the support by the majority of the people. And I just believe that. There should be some lines that can't be crossed, even if the majority of the people wants it. Even if the majority of the people th- says, if we can save thousands of people, we'll force people to put this stuff into their blood. I think that's something that's a line we shouldn't cross. Right? And I think we shouldn't have intelligence services. If we make laws and say our society work functions in this way, and we won't do these things to other people because we think it's not right. It's not just. Then we should not have clandestine agents of the government that break these laws. Doesn't matter how much life they it does completely does not matter at all. This is like an ethical thing, right? This is like a fucking ancient Greece Plato kind of shit, right? Where you go like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The rules are there for a reason. And, you know, it doesn't work if all society, like, adheres by these rules, and then the government creates, like, an agency with, like, 80 people, 800 people, 8,000 people that don't have to abide by those rules. That is not a just society. Right? That's, that's the problem I have with the, you know, with the Soviet Union. This is why the Soviet Union was not a just state, right? If you go... Um, it's better for all of society if we build um, socialism, right? In in the union, but that that means like certain people will have to suffer. Then that's just not this is not a line you can't cross, right? Also, it's it's not right if the government says you have to abide by those rules, but then we create all these special departments and all these intelligence stuff and all these guys, these people who don't like and, and the, the top of the party, the Politburo, they don't have to abide by these rules anyway. Right? That's not that's not a just state. Um and I just don't think we should do that. It goes for both topics. Um yeah, but that's that's pretty much all I wanna say. I hope you uh, enjoyed this. I hope this gave you some insight. Um and please, if it did, if it didn't, if you have any input kinda like Mode 7 had live on the show. Um Please get in contact and, uh, you know, send me some feedback. And speaking of feedback, uh, let's talk about the feedback. So we had two producers uh, who uh, wrote in by the various means, go to Private Citizen Press. Um, to give me some input, first uh, was Funky Duck, who uh, had an interesting idea for a future topic. Uh, Funky Duck says, "Have you done an episode on email? Sorry if I asked this already. No, you didn't, and you don't have to be sorry, even if you did. Specifically involving things like pixel and link tracking, but also the general security and stability stuff. If that's not too much scope creep, I don't think that's too much scope creep. I think that's a great idea, and you know we'll be talking about." Um, Solar wind uh in the future, and then I'm going to talk about the exchange hacks at some point, and you know that leads us naturally to email. So I'll, I'll try to get this in uh as soon as possible. And if I don't remember, I'm writing all this down. But if I don't remember, please, you know, hit me up again. uh Tell me you're fab. You, you ah a month ago, two months ago, you said you were going to do this. When are you going to do this topic? Please. Let me know um I appreciate this very much. I want people to tell me what they want to hear about and then I have new topics I can research, which is great that's kind of that's you know <laughs> that's kind of what I like about my job um right uh we also had an email from an anonymous Canadian um who gives us a little bit of an update from down there um as far as uh, the pandemic is concerned. so our anonymous Canadian says. Thought you might like an update on the internment camps that the Canadian government had built. Turns out that the government may have misled people a little on the use of these internment camps when they... W- they first built them. In February, the government passed laws forcing all citizens entering Canada to spend time in quarantine facilities. I think they were originally saying it was just a certain subset, I think. Uh, some of these facilities are camps. Some are specially registered hotels. When this quarantine law was first enacted, there was quite a bit of a surprise, of surprise effect. People were returning to Canada and actually being forced into vans and driven to undisclosed locations. It was great fun, he says, or she uh, to watch the news for a few days with stories sounding very similar to ab- abductions and spy movies I've put the he, he or she uh, has, has provided us they have provided us with some links um i've put them in the show notes uh some some wild stuff um especially like these these people like being driven to some hotel and then nobody knew like they're their relatives weren't told where they were. Um, the government has since backed down a bit on the quarantine. They now require a mandatory quarantine in one of their facilities until either the test results come back negative or the 14 days have passed. They've also passed the cost of this quarantine onto the quarantine citizens. Oh, great. Uh, but have allowed the quarantine providers to pretty much charge whatever they would like for fees. We call this, in the trade, we call this a racket or a bonanza. Um Yeah, it is not uncommon to hear of fees in excess of $1,000 a day. That's Canadian dollars, but still, if you're 14 days in quarantine, uh, yeah, you're in in the shit. Um, I guess on the bright side, the diet they are receiving while in quarantine is helping with any obesity problems, as there are frequent reports of either no food or just the ingredients sent to the room to make your own sandwich. Great! You're paying a thousand dollars a day for a room, and then they don't even give you food. At any rate, the forced quarantine may soon be over. The government opposition parties are calling for it to be halted. After several reports, uh, okay, uh, I think uh, I I miss um, copy and pasted something. Um, he uh, basically after several reports of uh, sexual abuses. Uh, by the people who run the quarantine program. Let me just fix that um, live on the show because that's how we do things. Um, After several reports of sexual uses by the people who run the quarantine program. Um, Yes, Uh, I think this has happened in Australia as well. Um, It does not surprise me. Um, Because I think, uh, you know, there's, I I know from the German experience, we don't have these uh, camps or hotels or whatever, uh, but we have, I read in the news recently that like this, uh, I think one of the biggest German like security companies, like like physical security providers, uh, founded a company to provide, quote, quarantine services. Um, So so something with vaccination as well, and, you know, probably... uh, making sure people uh, keep that quarantine. And I mean, these companies are scumbags, right? They, uh, it's like G4S and whatever. If like they hire just like brainless, like if you ever been at a rock concert, right? I was, um, I once saw a guy, um, I nearly killed a guy. Let's put it this way. I nearly pu- killed a guy at a Bruce Springsteen concert once because, um, so we had waited for about six hours in front of the stadium. Yeah. I'm mad. I know. Um, and then they let some people in and then they they were running and then they closed like a barrier inside the thing, right? So I see like this huge burly security guard in front of me, like closing this, like basically these, not really a barrier, like these, you know, these metal fences you can put up. He closed that so people couldn't run through anymore. So basically he was, st- we were like, we were standing At the top of a huge flight of stairs that goes down to where the like where the football field is, whatever that paved over where the stadium was, right? So I have this huge security guard holding like this steel barrier, and I'm on the other side of the barrier. Now behind me are about 500 people who were running a second ago and who basically. Like, I saw the guy, I was, like, breaking, I was, like, d- digging my heels in, but I had, like, 500 people behind me pushing, right, and you can't really do something at that point, and I was getting, like, pushed on the security guard, and I'm like, dude, get out of the fucking way, like, they're gonna make me, tra- like, we're gonna trample you, I'm gonna probably fall on top of you, we're both dead. And he was like, "I get back up." I'm like, "Dude, look behind me. There's like a thousand people behind me. How can I get like these people are dumb, right?" And these are the same people that are doing, you know, doing this kind of shit now. So um, yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm not I'm not surprised, and I'm actually happy. I don't live in Canada. I always thought Canada was kind of like a freewheeling country, but you know, I thought that about. Uh, about Australia and about New Zealand as well. And, like, they're shutting their country down, like, you know, <laughs> like Nazi Germany during the war. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks for that report. This is exactly what we need to hear. This is the kind of stuff, um, you know, if you still have – I'm still interested in boots on the ground reports. I am per- I mean, like, when I talk about these topics, I talk about vaccinations stuff like that, um, or hacker attacks, uh, I – I would like to hear from you. Like if you have personal experience or something, you know, like tell me about it. That's, you know, and if you don't want me to put on the show, just tell me like you can either be anonymous originally, or you can write me under your name and you can request that you be anonymous. You can request that I don't talk about on the show. I would do all of that. I'm a a professional journalist. I'm very um, committed to my sources and keeping them secure and, you know, respecting, respecting their wishes. Um, I just live by assimilating information and passing that on to my listeners in this case, or my readers sometimes. <laughs> and um, yeah, so please, if you have something to say, private citizen. press, um, please, please do so. And uh, with that, I think we are done with the feedback. just quickly talk about how i survive uh, making the show uh, and then i'm out of here because uh, it is to let you know the secret it's already almost half past uh, uh midnight here uh I, i'm i've dated the show for wednesday so i'm gonna just pretend i'm in an american time zone right now and i'm gonna release it right afterwards and still pretend it's wednesday but you know if you were sitting there uh, Wednesday evening CET and were wondering why the show was not, this is it. I had a very full day today, lots of work. Anyway, let's quickly talk about how you can support the show because I do this for free. Uh, I do this under this for you. I do this under so-called value for value model, um, which means um, you get it for free. And if you derive any value from it, um, you, I ask you to think about that and give me back the value you received if you want to completely optional. if you want to do that uh, you can become a patron on patreon because it's just easy for you it's easy for me and you know kick me a dollar a month or something and you know i'm happy and you've done something good for the month and we're both happy um if that if you don't like that because it's Patreon or because it's uh, it's it's every month uh, you can also use paypal producers at fab.industries is the paypal email address producers at fab.industries um you know, early in the month, I just, uh, got my money from PayPal and from, uh, Patreon. And it's like, you know, I can't live off that, but it's like, it's nice. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, this, this work I put into this podcast is actually, it's actually paying off in a way. And I, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, so if you, if you're part of the club, uh, you have my sincerest thanks. Um, I appreciate it very much. Yeah. And, uh, that's that's about it with that let's wrap it up let's talk about the people who've supported this show and who've put it on the air and who've uh given me uh monetary value via patreon or paypal i mean if you write in you know if you become a producer that's value as well if you give me background information, if you give me something to talk about on the show, ideas for a topic, you know, like what Funky Duck did just there. That's the value that helps me a lot. But anyway, the people who chipped in monetarily, Funky Duck's part of that club as well, are Georges for this episode. Uh, Georges, Butterbeans, Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen-Jensen, Jonathan M. Heavy, Dave, Steve Hose, Mark Holland, Shelby Kruver, Vlad, Jackie Plage, 1I11G, I always have to think, with that one, Philip Klostermann, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Sears, IKN, Fadi Mansour, Dirk Didi, Michael Small, Joe Poser, Matt Jellyman, Bennett Piata, David Potter, Mika, Martin, Larry Glock, Dave Amrish, Ricky M, Drive Zero, Mr. Amish, Tobias, Avis, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Mode 7, Neil, Captain Naked, Sandman 616, Funky Duck, and D. Thanks to all of you. Lots of you have been on, you know, we've been in this group for ages. Uh, most of you just, you know, decide to to help me out and then stick with it, which is amazing. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you and gals and everybody. I love love all of you. I would also like to uh, thank my Twitch subscribers because, um, as I've mentioned, I stream this every week live on Twitch on Wednesday, depending on when I can get to it. Sometimes very late, like tonight um i do other stuff on there i stream video games uh currently i play a lot of uh, escape from tarkov Uh, it's just you don't really escape spoiler Uh, (laughs) uh, but you know i also do the show and whatever you know it helps out Um, people can subscribe to that for free if they have um, prime amazon prime then they have one free um twitch subscription via twitch gaming prime gaming Prime gaming, uh, which they can, you know, i have to renew every month. But you know, if you do that, you help me out as well. You're kicking in like almost five dollars. Um, which is great. So I would like to thank those people as well. So my Twitch subscribers currently are Mike the Dane, Galtaran, Sandman 616, gaming X, Andy Pants, Redeemer F mode 7 is unavailable, Halifa, mode seven today, uh also producing the show in the in the chat uh, with some info on uh, funny little uh, viruses from the past uh, mode sevens unavailable. available and l terrestris jim think it's an l can't really read that with this font but i think i remember it was an l thanks to all of you and i would also like to thank ByteMark, ByteMark.co.uk. they're a uh, uk hosting company they've been providing the service that I used to uh send you podcasts, you know, where you download the podcast from uh for years now, and I appreciate that. Bite mark is great. And with that, uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, let's wrap up the show. Uh, the uh theme song of the show is of course Acoustic Roots. I play that at the beginning of the show by Raul Kabazali. Uh, but I'm gonna play you out uh with a song called uh, Save My Sorry save me from myself by uh Sven carlson featuring red revision so just so you know what you'll be listening to in a second um yeah with that it's i'm I'm off Uh, i'm gonna I, i still owe you still owe you an episode um i realize that um i'll be getting to that as soon as possible um you'll get an extra episode not this coming week though but you know there'll be another episode next wednesday probably i'm pretty sure i kind of promised it so i'm trying to until then uh you know hope you're uh safe from hacker attacks and then the the infamous russian hackers and you know maybe maybe you're hacking a little bit yourself on the side so good on you you know aim to misbehave once once in a while See you next week, Fab from Düsseldorf, signing off!